Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Housing Wire digital producer Victoria Wickham, and this is Daily Download. Today, I'm speaking with Housing Wire lead analyst Logan Motoshami about his recent article, Housing's V-Shaped Recovery is Complete, What Had to Happen to Get America Back by September 1st. Since Logan's article is part of our HW Plus Premium Membership Community, we do have a special code for our podcast community. Use the code HWPLUS100 to get $100 off your annual membership, and feel free to email me if you have any questions on how to sign up. In today's interview, Motoshami provides an update on an article he wrote back in April, which lists the five economic and or social landmarks that we would need to pass that helps the industry better understand the recovery and how the housing market is performing. But before you listen, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Extraordinary challenges demand extraordinary solutions. CoreLogic is uniquely positioned to help you navigate this historic disruption. Whether it's virtual home showings, flexible employment verifications, or automated loan modification engines, CoreLogic delivers the data-driven solutions, targeted insights, and deep domain expertise trusted by the nation's most successful mortgage lenders. Explore how CoreLogic can help you today. Visit corelogic.com forward slash COVID-19. Logan, thanks for joining us today. I want to jump right in by discussing your recent article, Housing's V-Shaped Recovery is Complete, What Had to Happen to Get America Back by September 1st. You mentioned in the article that in many ways, the era of COVID-19 has shifted society into a dimension outside of traditional time, meaning we're no longer measuring time through the fiscal calendar, which was once a mainstay of marking economic activity. Can you dig into this concept more for our listeners? Well, traditionally, what we would see is, you know, uh, the second week of January to the first week of May, uh, purchase application data, that's what I always call the heat months. That's where we, we want to track to see where housing demand is going to be. Typically, after May, uh, the volumes fall down. So because of what uh, COVID did, because of the initial shock of the virus and then lockdown protocols, things changed for about you know six to eight weeks and i think uh, for housing we have to uh, adapt to that that you know we have these really really good purchase application year-over-year growth numbers and it's happening toward the uh, uh second half of the year and that actually matters this year probably uh, more than any other time in, in history and that's what covid did it, it delayed some transactions but it didn't kill the transactions off. And I think that's, that's the main point for, 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 for that statement that we're seeing the best four week average rate of growth now. And this means that existing home sales should be positive for the year. That means existing home sales could have a print over 6 million be the first time uh, uh, since uh, the early part of the century. And that's the delay that COVID did. So we have to adapt some of our modeling out for this this virus because it has changed some of the parameters that we used to work with on a traditional basis. Interesting. You created a timeline to better understand economic performance of various sectors during these times in the pandemic. 
you divided 2020 into an economic timeline into three phases. So before COVID, BC, after the onset of the disease AD, and America is back AB. What needs to happen economically and socially in order for us to determine that we've exited the AD phase and entered the AB recovery phase? Well, 2020 needed to be separated into those three categories because the early part of the year, things were good. I think we had a lot of bearish people uh, toward the end of 2019 that I, I called them more like podcast stock traders, not actually data people. And we actually were looking pretty good uh, January and February. In fact, I, when I think of 2020 housing, I think of the February date at first, and that was a clear breakout. And people that followed my work over the years, it's years 2020 to 2024 where housing could outperform. Then the virus hit. Okay, so that was the, you know, the BC era is over. Now we're dealing with the AD phase. And then we have to, you know, calculate the data because the velocity of data moving down was historic. Things that were usually sticky that don't really move very fast were collapsing. So during that phase, we kind of uh, calculate the damage. But because we weren't going in a recession, because of our demographics are better now, because we had no consumer credit uh, uh, bubble or anything of that nature, and we have the ability to fiscally uh, and monetarily have disaster relief, I thought 2020, we could see the comeback. So I set those parameters just to showcase, and really it was February 3rd, what I wrote for Housing Wire was, you know, if this virus does hit, it's going to bring the stock market down, it's going to bring GDP down, but it's going to bring rates down. But we had this happen before in the terms of we've dealt with shocks. Now, this is going to be the biggest shock ever, but we can come back from this. And the model was specifically designed, and I know it's crazy trying to do a virus model in 2020, but was designed to show the pathway for people. So in the future, people try not to get too bearish. Uh, uh, and I think that's, that's what we saw this year is everybody got too bearish and they couldn't see the early signs of the recovery. And then the America's back, those five variables, we checked them off piece by piece. And four of the five are actually to a degree checked off, but it gives people an idea of what to expect for 2020 and so far it's 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 worked out you know we the united states housing market is the best performing economic sector in the world today as it should be because the two things that drive housing demographics and mortgage rates have never been better in our history most of the five economic and social variables you have listed in the article have been met to a degree except the 10-year yield goes above one percent why is that to me the 10-year yield when we finally get it above one percent shows growth now before the actual virus hit uh, i talked about my recessionary yields where i think the bond market should be is negative 21 basis points to 62 basis points because the 10-year yield was actually above 62 basis points for the majority of this crisis, that was my biggest indicator for me personally that the future was going to get better. If we go below 62 or lower, then you know the bond market is telling us something. Now, the bond market means different to everybody else. But I, to, for me, once we get traditional growth, right, we fall down 100 feet, we're, we're climbing back 70 feet. But once we get growth, two to three quarters of slow and steady growth, and we get off of this uh, uh, um, uh, virus phase, the 10-year yield not only should go over 1%, we should be in a range between about 1.33 to 1.6. And that's a good thing. That means the economy is, is, is getting back to normal. We could create demand inflation. And we're seeing parts of that happening. But 
the U.S. economy can't be working in a full capacity as long as there's an active virus infecting and killing people. You see this in airlines still. You see this in tourism. There's things that just can't be done. But we're working our way there. And I think uh, it, 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 it would be a benefit and a positive for this country before the year out that we get a 10-year yield above 1%. In what ways has your forecast of the U.S. housing market changed since March? You know, it, the, it, the interesting part is my 2020 forecast for existing home sales might just end exactly the same. Uh, uh, there's a lot of movement, uh, uh, but when, you, when it's all said and done, we're probably just going to be slightly higher than last year. So housing is, is boring. You know, this is, it was the weakest housing cycle ever recorded in history. So it's a very slow and steady cycle. The energy that the virus did is created this big downdraft. And then we just recovered very quickly. So these higher end sales numbers that we're seeing right now will eventually flatten out. And then we should end up a little bit higher than last year. So it's a lot of running around, but I, you know, for the most part, uh, if you take the extremes, high sales and low sales out of the equation, existing home sales is gonna roughly look kind of where I thought it would be for 2020 before the virus hit. And I think that's, the, the reason why housing is so good is because our demographics are so good. The reason why the US economy can outperform other countries is we have, we have the millennials and we have Generation Z. We have people, we have young people that need to consume goods and services that are replacement workers. Other countries don't have this uh, to our extent. So that's, that's the core belief of the US economy going out for decades and it just showed itself. So not much has changed. I, I, I don't like to ever alter my uh, 2020 forecast, but because of the virus, it's just the velocity of the down, down prints and the high prints, they need to work each other, work, work themselves out. And then we should be up slightly higher uh, this year than uh, last year. All right, Logan. Well, before we go, what's one important takeaway from your article that our listeners should know? Uh, believe in economic models. We live in a world where the extreme right and left and ideological people like to scream and say that everything is terrible all the time. And that's just part of the world we live in. But the fundamental thing is that there are principles in economics that cannot be broken. And uh, I, people know me as somebody who's always tried to fight the American bears. The American bears have failed since 1790. There's nothing but a graveyard of terrible long-term logic out there. If our demographics weren't that good, if we weren't the reserve currency of the world, if we didn't have the ability to keep credit flowing, things would be different. I would look at it different. But 2020, everyone missed the early recovery sides. Why? Because the world is surrounded by ideological people and ideological people need to tell you a bad story to get their uh, agenda uh, uh, spoken about. But if you go back to just basic boring economic models, they work. They've always worked. Math, facts, math, facts, science and data always works. So just stick to those people who believe in models and not marketing theories out there. Logan, thank you so much again for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. That's a wrap on the daily download. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and join us again tomorrow.